Bounce baby I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. When one thinks of fintech, all too often one thinks about San Francisco and New York, and maybe with a little imagination, Miami, Washington, D.C., and Atlanta. But there's a lot of innovation going on in the country and in areas far beyond cryptocurrencies and alternative data. And a case in point is AcreTrader, an app that allows individuals to invest in farmland just as the company works closely with farmers and external managers to help with best practices, technological improvements, sustainability, and immediate access to capital. Now, this kind of blend of financial technology, unusual use case application, and do-goodery is always going to be a point of interest on this podcast, especially as it relates to my hometown of Fayetteville, Arkansas. So I was delighted when AcreTrader's founder, Carter Malloy, agreed to stop by the show to talk to me about the company. So if you're interested in investing commodities and bringing technology everywhere it's needed, stay tuned for a conversation coming straight from the mouth of a Razorback. Carter, so great to have you on the show. Thanks, Chris. It is great to be here, and I do hope we have an opportunity to speak about Fayetteville at some point, because this isn't an everyday occurrence. (laughs) Great town. It's a great town. But first, we will, I I guess, jump to uh, business here. Um, Why don't you tell me a little bit about AcreTrader and your origin story? I mean, like, what exactly does the company do? The company helps investors invest in farmland and helps farmers raise capital to grow their businesses. Uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, based here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, backstory very quickly, I, I grew up in farming family, dad dad in farming, my, my mom's an entrepreneur growing up. Uh, spent a dozen or so years after school in, in finance and investing in equities in particular, uh, both on the sell side and, and buy side and uh, covering a lot of fintech and uh, property technology, things like that. Always wanted to build a business in the background. I've been buying and selling farmland and, and having uh, pretty fascinating financial outcomes, investment outcomes, but really poor transaction experiences in, in terms of just how, how antiquated the industry and the system was. And that's despite there being $3 trillion of farmland in the United States uh, and despite that it's put up some pretty fascinating returns historically. And so for, for me, it was really how can we solve this problem that rural America and the American farmer is looking for capital to grow their business, uh, maybe outside of just the debt that's only available to them in a local bank. And likewise, lots of investors and folks and friends that I knew that wanted to invest in farmland, but may not know much about it, may not be able to go out and plop down a million dollars and manage a farm. Uh, So thus, AcreTrader was born. That is so cool and and so interesting, just in terms of bringing these really two very different communities and sets of interests together. But for our audience, you know, maybe I think it would be helpful just to talk a little bit more about farmland and just, again, the, the proposition of investing in farmland as compared to, say, condos in Manhattan. I mean, what, what's, what's different and what's similar? What's different about farmland, a myriad of reasons, but a lot of investors will look to it as a, as a way to diversify a portfolio because it does not tend to move around with other asset classes much. Right. So uh, if there are wild swings in the stock market or in uh, the price of gold, let's say, uh, not necessarily having historical impacts on the price of farmland. Uh, 
so that's fascinating. Uh, it has performed in and of itself uh, well as an asset, and it has shown some correlation to inflation. Uh, so, so some people look to it as a as a hedge against inflation. So those are things that make it different. Uh, beyond that, it's just pretty hard and unique to get to, get into. And certainly, there's an educational curve that uh, you must get up before becoming comfortable investing in farmland. What makes it similar uh, is is that it is an asset. And in, in the case of real estate, it's an asset often uh, usually backed by title, right? And great, great American title laws so that you can, if you were to invest in condos in Manhattan, probably similarly, you would own an LLC that, that owns that condo. And so that's that's a similar idea with our platform is that a, a farm goes into a unique LLC and you, the investor, then can own a portion of that LLC uh, through through our platform. That is such a neat idea, as is your observation that farmland is uh, less correlated to stock market swings and is a good uh, inflation hedge and the like. I have to say, as someone who grew up around some farmland just outside of the city, you know, farmland can be more complicated than one would imagine. And I see you have loads of information on your site and even a, a dedicated investor education team that is walled off from marketing, which is pretty cool. But from your perch, what exactly do you think an investor would want to know in order to invest in farmland? I imagine rainfall, humidity, forecasts, and like uh, should or would be relevant. And are, are investors pretty surprised, actually, you know, when they come to think about these things, to, to hear about what kinds of factors that go into investing in farmland in a smart way? Yes, is the short answer. Just as just as there are with any investment, there there are wild numbers of amounts of idiosyncrasies and individual investment level considerations one one must must go through to look at a a piece of farmland. Important considerations are geography, right? So making sure you're in an area where there's other farmland around, so that you have other potential tenants. Uh, usually, that is the way that it works. Is it's rental. Uh, so the tenant pays just like a landlord would, you know, if you had a retail building, the tenant farmer pays to rent the land. That's about a third or over a third of U.S. farmland is rented out. So a trillion dollars of stuff. It's a, a very common practice. But so, yeah, understanding your land, your, your, your geographical area and, and not just as a landlord and tenant relationship, but also is there water in this area? Is there water underneath this area that you can access at any time uh, for, for little, little dollars? Uh, and, and, and so, those types of considerations are really important. And then certainly understanding, you know, to get a little more nuanced, uh, the yield history, right? Has this property produced well in the past? Does it have good soils? Uh, you know, what, what are, how are they getting water onto the fields, off of the fields? Are there capital improvements necessary? There's a, there's a lot is, is the quick answer. And I don't mean to uh, make it daunting. I think relative to, say, underwriting a commercial building and investing in a commercial building where you've got to uh, consider tenant improvement and you know, fixing toilets uh, and everything in between, right? There's, there's, uh, it is a much simpler asset than that. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's one that uh, it's really fun to learn about. I think we, we actually have lots of people that enjoy digging in as all of us have agriculture in our, in our DNA. And uh, so, so there is an emotional component, sort of, sort of a fun component to learning about how food is grown and where it's grown and how and why. And just getting to the, all the different kinds of different excuse the pun, properties of farmland, how do you go about then sourcing different potential um, investments? We have a, a large team here that focuses just on that, what we would call the supply side of our business. 
And a, a, a huge portion of that is just going and spending time with farmers throughout the country and, and getting to know good and, and great farmers that then they're out looking for property on their own. If you think about this from a farmer's standpoint, most farmers are, are really business owners, right? They, they own a tractor that is surprisingly expensive. They've, they've got a team they work with in the field. Uh, the more seed they buy, the more inputs they buy, the cheaper price they get on a per unit basis. So there are real economies of scale within that business of farming. So as a result of that, many, if not most farmers are looking to grow their business. So we, we are able to look around, get to know farmers and those that are, we, we view as good or great tenants that we can build a relationship with, uh, then we can go build a business with. And you know, it, that's where a lot of our supply comes from. As a farmer says, hey, I've, Betty Jo is retiring and, and uh, I've, I've known her for a long time. I'd love to buy this piece of land, but I don't have $3 million. Uh, I may have a little bit of money I'd like to put in, but, uh, but I don't have $3 million, but I really want to farm this and grow my business here. Uh, can you guys finance it and, and purchase it? And I'll, I'll set up a great relationship with you to lease it long term. So in that regard, it's a win-win for, for the farmer and, and for the investor. Were farmers a little bit surprised? I mean, usually when you enter into a new space, uh, regardless as to whether or not you're talking about farmland or frankly, even real estate, if you're coming along, you know, with the financial technology perspective and, and in this particular instance, really trying to democratize farmland investing. I mean, what did farmers think about that? I mean, like, were you viewed as somewhat peculiar or, or again, because of your own roots, was it just something that, that people were more willing to accept and, and sort of jump on? It's, it's a very good question, right? In that I think in any industry, the new kid uh, can often be seen with some level of apprehension uh, from, from the participants within that, that ecosystem. Uh, the same is certainly true in farming. And you're, you're exactly right. If you, if you show up with a tech bro mentality uh, behind what you call the farm gate on, on a farm, uh, it's a pretty quick way to get yourself introduced uh, on, in the other direction. What well, one is you, you, you got it right, and not, not necessarily my roots, uh, though I'm, I am a redneck, uh, but, but our wider team here of, of almost 100 people, uh, is we are out here in the middle of the country, and, and we, we have a little bit of an accent. We have mud on our boots in the office, even, even our, some of our software engineers uh, that are out there on the weekends. And, and so we are able to have a little more direct conversation of we're, we're not here to disrupt, uh, we're here to help. And, and I, I can tell you, I think we, our team is... I don't know if it's five or 10,000 farmers, I should know the metric, but they spoke to a lot of farmers over the last year. And those that get to know us, the, the reviews we get are, are wildly positive. Like, like just people say, wow, I can't, I wish I'd known you six years ago. I wish I'd known about you guys 10 years ago. This is awesome. Uh, and then, you know, over the course of that next year that we, we start to talk to them, often they'll show up with properties and, and business proposals to, to grow. That's super neat. Looking at the other side, literally, of, I guess, of, of, of the coin from investors, I mean, when you're trying to launch this particular business, was it hard? I mean, I mean did, was there a certain um, novelty mountain that you had to climb in order to get investors really interested in AcreTrader? I, I would say a, a monstrous one. And, and I'll, I'll divide the world of investors into investors in farmland, the, the users of the platform, and investors in our business. Uh, and and bo both of which are, are interesting tales and, and uh, uh, pieces of the conversation. But it, it, for investors on the platform, those investing in farmland, the, the good news is, is there, were, there are a surprising number of people that invest in farmland a lot and that understand the asset class. And so for us, I think that was very rewarding early on to see like, hey, these professionals have come along and are investing on our platform because 
they like the work that we're doing and they they like the uh, offerings that are that are being put up here. Um, but yeah, that that early adopter thing was a real problem, as it is with any two sided marketplace. Getting the flywheel spun up in the early days is a Herculean effort, uh, and so we really had two primary barriers to punch through: education and trust. Right. So so first is being fully transparent. Here's the positives. Here's the negatives. Here's all the considerations that we know of. You you may know even more than that, but here here are the things to to be on the lookout within this asset class. So publishing white papers, getting out there, speaking with other other blogs, and um, just putting tons and tons of content in our learning center on our website. Uh, then is trust, right? Like, well, well, this is really cool. I'd love to invest in farmland, but you you guys are like five yokels from Arkansas working out of a closet in a startup. Do I really want to put my hard-earned savings uh, through through this platform? And so that uh, building that trust early on took took frankly just a, a ton of effort uh, to to work through and. Uh, was was not an easy. It's never an easy moment in being in a startup, but uh, so there were some particularly particularly difficult times there. Just getting folks um, to understand that we're we're here for the duration. We're long term long term in our mindset, and uh, we're working hard. I think that what's what's really interesting about your story is is that it really is one that underscores how much digital transformation is impacting really every every nook and cranny of the country and 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 of the economy you know there's obviously this bigger conversation going on right now you know about getting innovation to the rest of the country i mean on an earlier episode we had ro Khanna, who is the congressman from silicon or, or at least from the area where silicon valley is located and he has this new big book out about how to make sure that innovation and opportunities to innovate are more geographically dispersed. And I think AcreTrader is a really interesting um, uh, uh, case study. But, you know, what was it like going and, and you know, you had sort of started this already, you know, just starting a, a business like this in, in, in Arkansas, you know, and, and how do you think, you know, companies like AcreTrader sort of fit in that larger co- uh, conversation about innovation and, and the really very many different pockets of, of ingenuity that there are in the United States? I think what, one is we're, I'm really excited about the trend of focus on flyover states, right? And when you have folks from San Francisco uh, writing books about that, building their entire investment thesis for their VC fund on that, that is a really exciting moment in time. Uh, I actually moved here, moved, I'm from Arkansas originally, but I was living in San Francisco and moved back here four years ago uh, with the express intent of starting a, a technology business to which my friends in San Francisco said, you're, you're crazy. And, and you know, I think looking back, like there was a, a rather fortunate uh, moment in history to make that decision. I did it because I love this place and I wanted to raise a family here and, and live here and actually thought it would be a good, good place to build a business. Uh, but the ability to do so has been accelerated by one, just, just the prevalence of that thesis of, hey, you know what? There's a lot of smart people all throughout the country. Not all of them live in these two or three uh, cities that represent, you know, whatever, less than 10% of the population, less than 5% of the population. Uh, and, and so one, that, that thesis helped. And then two is like, I, I think COVID changed people's minds, right? We're, we're seeing something like 37 people a day move to Northwest Arkansas, where, where I live here. Uh, people are moving here from all over the country uh, at, at record numbers because they they understand like, oh, I don't actually have to be grinding it out in, in an hour commute in both directions. Uh, to be in this big city for a job. 
So obviously, you know, this brings us to one of my favorite topics that you uh, had mentioned earlier, which was Fayetteville. I mean, Fayetteville is, is, is a college town, but you also have Walmart, you have all these, um, you know, uh, Tysons. It's very sort of a surprisingly economically diverse area in terms of industry. I, I mean, when you think about that talent question and when you think about the business question, are you seeing a lot of both the, the support from the, again, from, from the venture capital folks, you know, is that something that you're sort of also sourcing locally or is this, you know, more something that you are able to introduce to folks on the coast? And when it comes to your talent, are you able to draw on uh, what the, the university students or, or are you also sort of working on top of a distributed sort of HR platform where you're just working with people in far flown parts of the country? I said this earlier on, but dude, I'm, I'm so excited that you are from here and you, you actually understand this little corner of the world. You know, it, it is a pretty fascinating and, and lovely place. It's it's nice outside. We have four great seasons. There's mountains. People are super friendly. There's trees everywhere. Uh, it's small, right? Like 800,000 total people is a, is a small place to live in this larger uh, metropolitan statistical area of Northwest Arkansas. Uh, but uh, it, it's the quality of life here is exceptional, right? And house is, is really cheap. Uh, and and so we uh, know we, we, most people work here. Something like 80 or 85% of our staff is here. Uh, and yes, while, while the local ecosystem is somewhat vibrant, right? There's other startups, there's a university, there's uh, Walmart, JB Hunt, Tyson, like, like massive, massive companies uh, in our neighborhood, right? So we're able to source a lot of great talent here uh, locally, but we also move a lot of people here. Uh, so we, we onboarded 10 people today. So actually our biggest onboarding day as a company. And several of those uh, moved to Northwest Arkansas from other places. And I'm, I'm really proud personally, and we are proud as a company to be, to get to play a part in that, that growth in our ecosystem here. And just thinking about as we, as our business uh, continues to grow and, you know, we'll have people that live at Acre Trader for some period of their lives. And hopefully they, they leave and go create their own startups and, and build businesses around the area, uh, which, you know, talent begets talent and uh, we'll have more, more great folks coming here. So, you know, when you think about farmland, you, know, you can't help but think about, obviously, issues of, you know, sustainability and the environment and, and the like, both from the investor standpoint, but but also in terms of the value proposition of a company or a venture like this. I mean, w- where does that sort of play in your thinking when it comes to Acre Trader? It's in our best long-term interest and, and in the best long-term interest of the farmer uh, to, to care, especially about water and soil sustainability. And, and so it is a whole, obviously, you know, wider environmental and climate concerns uh, have obvious implications here as well. So we, as an industry, uh, sometimes do a poor job of this. As an industry, often there's a lot of greenwashing. Uh, people, or people just assume, oh, it's outdoors and has plants, therefore it's good for the environment. Uh, or, or worse, I'm in this business and it has, it has things growing, therefore I can brag about how I'm good for the environment. Uh, so we actually did not until recently, until the last several months, have, have an impact page and talk about sustainability because we wanted, we, we as a company are very action oriented and similarly wanted to project that out and not just say words, right? Like, there's lots of really nice words to describe positive impact in the environment, but words don't matter, right? It's what, what you're actually doing. So uh, we finally felt we were in a place to, to talk about those things. So what does that mean for us? One is we enroll farms in leading harvest, which is a, a sustainability standard. Uh, this st- standard that we enroll in leading harvest is a checklist based, hey, 
make sure that that diesel tank is not sitting on an oxbow or on a river, uh, which is shocking how many of them are out there doing that. And when they spill, obviously contaminate a local environment. Proactive and, and reactive measures to make sure that farmers and landowners are, are watching out for the long-term interest of, of the land. Then beyond that, we, we do energy developments. We do lots of organic transitions. Uh, as you, as you, we discussed earlier, we help work with farmers quite a bit, which we see as positively impactful. So a lot of that is on our website at, at Acre Trader to, to learn about as well. Which I guess leads to the, the last question, and, and that is sort of looking forward. When you look at Acre Trader, I mean, and we'd mentioned earlier, there's there's that thing called inflation in the economy. How do you see really the economic trends impacting the company? I mean, where do you want to be, you know, one, two, three years from now? And and, and how do you think the, the economic trends are, are are impacting your ability to to grow? As a company, we want to be the default place for land transactions. So we, we really believe if, if we can continue to provide a growing amount of transparency, both to farmers and landowners and, and also investors, uh, that we can create a, a great place for, uh, for capital and land to find one another. So we've got a lot of uh, exciting product releases and, and things on our roadmap over the coming 6, 12, 24, 48 months. One is uh, really, really excited about where we're headed as a business and the amount of impact we're having and the, the positive things that we can do for rural communities in, in America, for investors, uh, for sustainability. Uh, in, in terms of what the macro will do to our business, the easy answer is I don't know. We haven't, uh, we haven't endured a cycle as a company. Frankly, like some huge portion of the U.S. adult population hasn't really endured a cycle, had a real negative macro period uh, since 0809. We do feel as though we will fare well through through something like that. I think that the interest in alternative assets, the interest in land and in hedges tends to grow over periods of time like that. So we're not excited about negative macro for the, the obvious uh, personal impacts that that can have on individuals throughout the country. Uh, but we are interested and eager, eagerly anticipating that as a business to see what you know positive and negatives come from that. And if those ultimately become a net positive or or a net small negative consideration for us. Carter, I wish you the best of luck as a Razorback. Proud of you, <laughs> along with our basketball team. And uh, I, I do want to wish you the very, very best of luck. And we'll be checking back in to see how things go. Thank you, Chris. It's been, been really fun. Innovation shouldn't just be the province of the rich, or frankly, those living in cities or coasts. At its best, it reflects the inputs from all of the best minds in the country, regardless of their background. And Acre Trader's existence is a case in point. By taking technology and applying it in novel ways, the company isn't just creating new opportunities to diversify investments, but it's also opening up capital for parts of the country and industries where it's most needed. And it's that kind of thing that will do a lot of good while doing well. And we wish them the best of luck. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.